Thank you, Graham, for leading us this morning. I'm powerful, man. Um, today, we get to hear the word from our good friend, Robbie Barnes, our youth pastor here at Love Chapel Hill. And um, I'm just really excited about Robbie sharing with us today. Um, any of you guys that know Robbie, you know that he has such a genuine heart, and there's just this passion for the Lord in him. And um, every time I'm around Robbie, he has a way of just challenging me. And so I'm excited about all of us getting challenged this morning um, through what God's laid on Robbie's heart today. So let's pray for Robbie together. And as he shares God's word with us this morning, um, let's let our hearts be wide open and prepared to be challenged today. God, thank you for Robbie. Thank you for the call that you placed on his life. Um, thank you for the passion that he has for you. And today, um, we just open ourselves up to learn today, to learn from him, to learn from what your spirit has been teaching him and how you've been shaping him. And I pray that you would just give him a sense today as he shares your word um, that he is standing on a foundation that is so firm and ancient. And I pray that he would just draw a sense of confidence uh, from your spirit at work in him today. We love you, and we're prepared to be challenged today. So let me pray. Amen. Amen. I like your church. Hey, thank you. <laughs> hey, how are you guys doing this morning? Good. 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 All right. Great. <laughs> so this morning, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about um, some things that not necessarily have happened to me in my life, but things that I have seen that have made me think of a few characteristics of what, um, am I loud enough? I never do this. I never talk. I, never do this, so. <laughs> I am okay. <laughs> and so um, today I just want to, yeah, I want to talk about two characteristics about God's love. Here at Love Child Will, we talk about that a lot. But uh, sometimes you might look at uh, something and think it's a little too big to tackle. And sometimes I think uh, God's love and passion for us. It's a pretty big thing to tackle, and sometimes I feel like all we can do is touch on it and certain aspects of it and try to wrap our minds around it, our hearts around it. Um, and that takes time sometimes. Today, the two characteristics I want to kind of focus on is, number one, the intensity of God's love for us, and number two, how wild it is. Um... Later on, we're going to, I'm going to read a little bit of like some definitions out of Webster's. I was trying to wrap my mind around those two words, um, and we'll be looking at how those build off of each other, how um, the definition of intensity will help build the definition of wildness, and then will take us to just an attribute of God's love. So this morning, uh, I'm going to read uh, from Scripture out of John 2, 13, 13 through 17. This is a scripture, it gets used a lot, sometimes out of context, sometimes in good context, but um, today I think we're going to be talking about a certain aspect of this scripture that doesn't necessarily get touched a lot, um, so I'll just go ahead and read it for you guys. It's John 2, 13-17. It says, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle. Sheep, doves, and others sitting at tables and exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area. 
both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How do you turn, how dare you turn my father's house into a market? Um, when you just read those three verses, it, it's, it sounds kind of like a violent passage, pretty anger-filled passage. passage. I feel like I struggle with this passage a lot, trying to figure out um, the anger of it all. You don't see that much um, in Scripture where Jesus is getting upset and kind of scary, a scary figure. Uh, and something I, there's one more verse left, and it's kind of off by itself, but I feel like this might be the key to what this passage is saying, or part of the key. And uh, verse 17 says, In that moment, his disciples remembered that it is written, Passion for your house will consume me. Um, how look at that is just passion for something, right? Jesus wasn't angry just to be angry. He was in love with the Father so much, and for his temple, his resting place, that he couldn't believe what these people were doing, turning into uh, something that was less um, less valuable to him. Uh, it's, a, it's a scary passage. It's, it's actually really difficult for me to see Jesus this way sometimes, being scary. Um, so where I want to go with that is, I want to I switch gears a little bit. So we've had that that moment, and the rest of the time I'm just going to be trying to describe to you what I think this looks like. So I have a story, a short story, about a character who most of us don't know. Um, he's not even a person. He is, if you guys know Jason Amber, they have a little, a little puppy dog. And he's little, uh, and he's great. He's a great pup, he's a little Boston Terrier, cute little dog, um, you know, lots of energy. But one of the attributes you'll find about, um, I think Franklin, too, by the way. Uh, one of the cool things you'll find about Franklin is uh, when you go to their house, he flips out. He does not recognize, he does not see anything else but you coming to the door. Uh, that's the first thing you notice is this ball of energy and fury coming to you. <laughs> and he's not stopping. And no matter how much uh, ever. And Jason tried to get him to calm down and back off and hold him. I've seen Jason, you know, Jason's a grown man, strong, big guy. He's holding on to this little bitty dog, probably weighs like 25 or 30 pounds, and Jason can barely hold on to him. And this kid, this, this dog does not come down until he's greeted you in his way. And it's jumping this off the ground to talk to you. But the point being made there is, is that there's an attribute, there's a characteristic of God's love that that's all he can see is you. And all he wants to do is be with you, hang out with you, and meet you. Franklin's got two modes. He's got chill mode, he's got intensity mode. That is, that's, there's not a lot of in-between with that. Um, so that's a really, uh, it's a really big part of, uh, I feel like, where sometimes you just don't feel like somebody's fighting for you. You don't feel like Jesus is really coming at you strong. He's a figure in history. Um, yes, uh, some of us in here might believe that uh, he's the savior. He's the you know the point of the universe. He's he's all those things. But sometimes he seems kind of distant. It doesn't seem like he's coming after you. And he's a real person. And he just wants to be with you. 
And strangely enough, you know, it's hard for us to make that connection sometimes, but like, Jesus has that, that intensity, that um, scary, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to hang out with you, I want to be your friend, you know, those types of things. Um, I want to read to you guys now the, uh, the definitions of uh, um, intense and wild, and just, just let's just kind of like use that as the bubble, as how we're going to uh, kind of look at everything that we talk about today, and some of the descriptive words for intensity is something that is very great, as in strength, keenness, or severity, having a characteristic quality in high degree, or exhibiting a high degree of some action or extreme kind. Um, uh, in the def- the, for wild, intensity is going to build off a wild. Uh, this is my favorite favorite part, the wildness, right? Do, do you ever feel like you understand what wild is, and then you get out in the wild or out in the woods and the nature, and you really can't fathom what's going on around you? That's that love coming at you one more time. That is Jesus happening. It is, it is, it's the sweetness of life. It is that, it's so hard to describe, just in those moments when you're maybe in a quiet place, you know, maybe in your house, maybe out in the woods doing something, hanging out, and it's got this quiet eeriness, but it's so loud. God is so loud in those moments. Um, and this is why I love this. Uh, it says, this is pretty long. <laughs> it says, wild, occurring, growing, or living in a natural state, not domesticated, cultivated, or tamed, uncivilized, barbarous, or savage, lacking supervision or restraint, lacking regular order or arrangement, full or marked by or suggestive of strong, uncontrolled emotion, extravagant or fantastic, furiously disturbed or turbulent, stormy, risky, impatiently eager, or highly enthusiastic. I really hope there's somebody out there that would come to me like that with a friendship. That they would stop at nothing to be with me. And I believe that person is Jesus. I believe that is the only person. But I also believe that he expects no less from us as a friend of one another and as a lover of the Father. For the past six or seven years of my life, you know, when I was, when I was young, uh, probably 13 or 14, I gave my heart to the Father. Um, really not understanding what that was probably until I was 19 or 20. Just thinking I had a grasp of it. And it was wildness. It was the woods. It was the outdoors. Something that I didn't do a lot when I was a kid. Um, I was a huge couch kid. Everybody knows me. I was, you know, just love it. Love the couch. Love cartoons. <laughs> love it. And then, you know, I started seeing these things and started like my mind was just popping, you know, just like, wow, I all the stuff that I missed. It was wild, wildness, you know. Um, and so you get to this place where uh, you do know that we get amazed and everything is so indescribable uh, in those times. And you don't know, you don't really know how to make sense of it all, you know? You just know that there's something out there that is a rush that is, you know, coming into your life from time to time. 
And I started to, I still do, I still, I, it consumes my thoughts, wildness. It's, it's, it's really all I think about. Because it's, it's the time when I see the Father the most, is when I'm in a natural place or state, and it's just coming at me. I mean, there's no, there's, there's no rules, there's no laws, there's no, you know, this is what's going to happen today. It's just, you're there, and you're in it. Somebody, somebody gave me a book, I believe, after I started getting into this, someone gave me a book about a man named Colin Angus. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. But he's a pretty intense individual. Um, he, when he was 34, he became my hero. Well, when I was like 19, 20, he became my hero. When he was 34, he started off on a journey uh, to be the first man to completely circumnavigate the globe um, just on manpower. So biking, skiing, rowing boats, uh, anything you think of. And this was a trip that lasted over 26,000 miles and took him two years, took him over two years. Um, he started in Vancouver, uh, BC, Canada, and went up the West Coast going through, you know, going to Alaska, going through all those wilderness places on his bicycle. Uh, grizzly bears everywhere, you know, and this is just the first, he just left his house, right? <laughs> he just left his house. So, you know, he, he's finally making his way up, making his way up the West Coast. He gets to uh, basically where the road just ends. And he's had this planned out. He's had a, a, a rowboat shipped to this place where he's going to be setting out. And he sets out and he starts to row from Alaska to Russia in this um, customized rowboat of his, right? It's 20 feet long. He starts to, starts to row, right? So he finally gets to uh, Russia, northern Russia, in Siberia, um, crossing a sea that uh, is said to not like fishing vessels will not even enter. That's how rough this sea is. And he was doing it during the winter when it said it's craziest. And so he's doing his thing, he's rowing, finally makes it, right? Um, and my, this part in the book, I'm like, this guy's, he's outside of his gourd. And he's just doing this to do it. You know, this, he's just doing it for the pure joy of doing this. And so he gets to northern Siberia, starts hiking, skiing. Uh, he even biked on a frozen river for like, I think it was 400 miles, they said. It was, his, yeah, just all the way to Moscow, right? So <laughs> and this is in a place where like during the winter, it, didn't, it doesn't get above negative 10. Like, and then sometimes it drops down to negative 50. And they have pictures where he has, like, long icicles hanging off of his beard. He's smiling. He's out in a place. He lives in a freezer for four months, <laughs> basically. And so, you know, I'm just like, wow. That's, that's wild, you know? And uh, he gets to Moscow. gets his bike. Starts to bike. Uh, he bikes all the way to Portugal through Europe, right? Going, going, going. And he said, in this book, he said, this was the most dangerous part of the trip so far. I'm like, why? It's like, you're on a road. You're in civilization. Like, why, why is this so dangerous? And it says, he said in the book, he said, because he almost got hit by cars so often because they drive so fast in Europe. I don't know. I've never been there. But he said, actually, when he entered civilization is when he was the most scared. Um, he said he saw people, he said one time he saw uh, two guys hanging a man over a bridge. It looked like they might have been mafia. So he's like riding his pipe back. I'm like, he's not seeing anything, you know. Uh, so he gets there. He gets to Portugal. And he's had the boat shipped to Portugal. He gets in the boat to Portugal. Spends four months on the Atlantic. Rose all the way to Costa Rica during hurricane season. And it was like the, one of the worst hurricane seasons on record. So he gets all the way to Costa Rica. Gets to Costa Rica. 
goes up, starts to head up to Central America, uh, gets to Mexico, finally gets to the U.S. He's like, all right, I'm doing great. Uh, makes his way up to uh, the Rockies. He finally starts to smell West Coast, is what he says, and he's like, I'm almost home. Like, I've been out here for almost two years, yeah. Uh, and finally ends up at his home in Vancouver, where everybody's sitting there waiting uh, for him to come in. Actually, people met him about 10 miles out, biked in with him. You know, it was a great, great occasion, uh, but a very intense journey. Like, no one obviously understands what he just went through. I read the book. I read, I've read all kinds of stuff about this guy. And, like, you can just tell when you look at his eyes, you have no, he cannot explain to you everything that he went through. And I've left out so much of the story. I've, I've tried to hit the high points. Um... But he had many low points as well, you know. Am I going to make it? Um, especially when you're in northern Siberia and no one knows where you're at and you're all by yourself. Um, so this is the type of... My mind always goes to these intense highs, you know. But I feel like our God is a God of intensity. But in a sense, he's, like, he's much more wilder then he is intense. It's like the the wildness is what makes it intense. I don't know, they feed off of each other. Um, so, this is, this is a uh, a part of the Father, a characteristic of him that's very close to me, something that I've always wanted to try and share. I think I'll spend the rest of my life trying to kind of really wrap my mind around just how wild and enthusiastic he is for us. I love that in the definition how it, it used <coughs> extravagant and fantastic as wild. I, I it almost like it was a misprint, but it makes sense. <laughs> you know, like I really I really do understand that. Um the other part about that that's you know, we're talking about this man that spent two years out just in nowhere, uh, in no man's land for the most part. It's 26,000 miles. Like, he went all the way around the earth and not in a plane, not in a train, not in a thing that we would call safe. And he did whatever it took. He, he gave up his life two years to go out here and just do this thing, to travel. Um, and it wasn't an easy travel. He wasn't necessarily having fun. I would call him a very wild and intense man. Um, but I just feel like it really, really pales in comparison to just how uh, trying to describe to you the intensity and the, the wildness of the Father. When I look at our story from Genesis to now, coming across time, coming across history, all the obstacles that the Father, that have been put in the Father's way, an obstacle in the Father's way, doesn't even make any sense. Um, but these things that have tried to stomp him out throughout time, I try to view him as someone in my mind that, uh, like God is obviously not a madman, uh, and he's not an animal. But the only way I can describe how he's coming at you, how he's coming at you and how he's coming at me, is if there's something that is so... It's looking at you. And everything in its way, it doesn't see. 
and it doesn't necessarily want anything from you, it just wants to be with you. And what I see in my mind is a wild animal with man-like capabilities that just smash its way through everything that you put in front of it, just to be with you and have a friendship with you and love you and kind of show you what life is all about. Uh, and so, I feel like the point of today's uh, message is just this. In the temple, when Jesus shows all this passion for the temple, for where, the God, for, for where God rests, now, when we switch to New Testament times, the Holy Spirit rests in us. We are God's new resting place. And if the Holy Spirit isn't in you, because you haven't made that decision to accept that yet, God is still just as passionate about you because he knows that you have the potential for that. He doesn't love you any less that that's not in you. But he's that passionate for you. He will tear everything down to get to you. He will not stop. He can't stop. The thing is, like he's come across time and he's, and he's here right now. And I feel like Jesus is begging us to know that he loves people and the Father more than anything. He looks at those two things and that is what he loves. And he comes at it in a ferocious manner and it is I feel like it is scary um, that he wants that so much. And the other part of that is I feel like that he expects no less from us to live that type of intensity and wildness in our life. To love one another and to love the Father. And the thing is, is like I sit here and I say that and all of us come up short on that every day. You know, and sometimes we might use that as an excuse not to live in intense and wild life uh, with love directed at others. And it is very difficult, you know, uh, to love each other. Just to love each other, but to love each other in that manner, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a uneasy thought, but at the same time, I think sometimes if we were to actually grab hold a little bit of that, just imagine if everyone could grab a hold of just a little bit of that. Um, these things that we deal with on a daily basis uh, might not be that bad um, or seem that bad. They might be bad, but they might not seem that bad. And so I just, I, uh, I also believe that that's not going to happen. And not everybody, that's, that's, that's the, the situation. Not everybody's going to believe that. They're not going to believe in love. Love will fix, fix the world, and love is fixing the world. But it does. And so I just challenge you to do that. To uh, try to wrap your mind around the intensity and wildness of the Father. And uh, whenever you see something that looks a little off or a little, a little different um, and love is being shown, try to uh, follow that follow that a bit. And uh, just, just pay attention to it. But the Father is looking at you, and he's just waiting. He's waiting for a response.
And so, guys, I, I want to pray with you right now and uh, just ask the Father that he would, uh, dear Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you do. Dear God, we ask that uh, you help to make us into a person that looks um, a little scary with our love, uh, to be a, a little bit irrational with how much we want to give to others, how much we want to be with others. And we just pray that, uh, that you never allow us to take second best for what you have for us, and to know that no matter how hard we push and how hard we try to um, love, that we can never really reach that, that, that ceiling. And that's a very beautiful thing. And in your precious name, amen. Mm-hmm.